Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. Minister Malcolm, when you broke with Elijah Muhammad back in March, you said it was because the black Muslims were too narrowly sectarian and inhibited, and because Elijah Muhammad had become blindly jealous of you and the personal following you had gathered. Mm -hmm. that, I said the first part, but the last part, I didn't say that Elijah Muhammad himself had become blindly jealous. I mentioned that it was his family and the officials in Chicago. But actually, uh, despite the fact that I tried to protect the Muslim movement, if you'll notice, they uh, use their newspaper to slander me and to label me as a hypocrite and uh, as a rebel. And Mr. Muhammad himself said that I defected. Well, in reality, I never even left the Muslim movement. They put me out. And they put me out because of what I knew. Elijah Muhammad, the head of the movement, is the father of eight children by six different teenage girls. Six different teenage girls who were his private personal secretary. Oof, Elijah Muhammad, part two. Let's go. Welcome to Fraudsters, the podcast that gives you the scams you love from the fraudsters we hate. I'm your co-host, Cena Gasnaby, along with Ariel Lieti and Justin Williams. We're back with part two on Elijah Muhammad and the Nation of Islam. Who knew there was so much to talk about here? Ariel, let's keep this story going. Okay. Actually, at this point, we want to cover how Malcolm started to break with the Nation of Islam. Justin, there was a strange meeting called the Muslim Compromise. Can you tell us about it? Okay, so one thing to keep in mind, remember going back to Marcus Garvey's influence on the Nation of Islam, one of Marcus Garvey's downfall with black people, because remember Garvey was Jamaican, is he didn't understand how much African Americans hated uh, the Ku Klux Klan. Uh, so Garvey saw the Ku Klux Klan as having mutual interest. We want to get away from white people. You don't want us around. Let's work together. When people found out that Garvey had uh, worked with the, the Ku Klux Klan, it hurt his standing among a lot of African-Americans. Elijah Muhammad actually repeats this by sending Malcolm X in 1960 to meet with the Ku Klux Klan in Georgia in a secret meeting. And it's going to be something, considering uh, Malcolm X's father had actually been killed by a white supremacist, it's going to be the start of uh, hurting Malcolm X's faith in Elijah Muhammad, making him go and like try to negotiate with the Klan. That's crazy. But it makes sense. They kind of believe the same thing, right? If you believe in racial purity, like once you make yeah. that step, then the Ku Klux Klan becomes not that crazy. 
yeah, you guys want your own thing, we want our own thing. Okay, let's figure out a way to like make a divide. And it's precisely the Ku Klux Klan actually said, "We like you, Black Muslims, precisely because you're not trying to integrate with us." Wow. Yeah, they're like, they're like, so they're like, yeah, they're they're trying to figure out how. But so they're, they're, an account of this meeting actually came out in a recent book because there's FBI informants all over the place because you have the Nation of Islam and the Ku Klux Klan in the same room. So yeah. there's just FBI, like half the room's FBI. So, uh, but but apparently, but apparently Malcolm X just starts taunting the Ku Klux Klan uh, during it. He's like, now now tell us now when we work together, when are we gonna get some robes? And they're like, uh, well, uh, you can't really get robes. And they're like, no, we, no, 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 no. If we're going to work together, we got to get some robes now. Now, what color are our oh robes going to be? And they're like, yeah. Oh, my That's God, incredible. incredible. Yeah, he's like passive aggressively yeah. trying to like tank the meeting because he resents being there. And he looks down on like, he, like he's like, why am I meeting with this guy in Georgia? So, yeah, yeah he totally is like trying to like, ta- he's just taunting the clan to their face. The wow. Entire time. That's kind of great. In July 1963, the FBI ran a counterintelligence program aimed to destroy the nation of Islam by running news stories exposing Fard's true identity, namely claiming he was a white Los Angeles confidence man named Wallace Dodd. But when the reporter (laughs) who wrote the article was pressed, he couldn't verify claims because those had come from the FBI report. And the FBI couldn't reveal that it had been conducting one of the most exhaustive and expensive searches on a non-criminal matter in its history. While the strategy didn't immediately pay off, it did succeed in planting more seeds of doubt, possibly even in the mind of X. And I think what's cool about this little tidbit here is that it's still a problem today that reporters in our like hyper speed news cycles that we have will still solo source things from the government. Like you will see drone attack killings where the New York Times will report the same person dying from multiple drone attacks. Yeah. yeah. So it's like like multiple times. And so this is like a fundamental problem and I think what what creates a lot of conspiracy or dis- mistrust within these big journalistic institutions, public institutions when the thing that's supposed to be a check on the government doesn't work. Like this reporter didn't have to do this, right? I mean maybe they were like, you know, coerced into it, but that's the problem I have. It's also like a juicy story in the era of passing. So yeah. finding out somebody is not what they say they are is like a juicy story. And like, what was that one movie where he finds out his girlfriend is actually black? Soul Man. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the phenomenon of passing in this society is like a very interesting like thing that makes it juicy. Yeah. But you can't trust J. Edgar Hoover because you could have been actually black, and but they don't care. Right. They're just trying to delegitimize yeah. you. Yeah. So you don't know who to believe. Guy could also have been white. It's also like this is a grift. Yeah. So he could have been white and seen black people, and it's like, hey, I look kind of. I mean, you know, some people say this about Sean King. Wallace could have been Persian. Okay, let's go on. <laughs> Sean King, straight to hell. It was only a matter of time for the actual problems to start to come out. In March of 1964, Malcolm X would break with the Nation of Islam. And by June, the group had filed an eviction suit against X to take back the possession of X's queen's home. In August, he was on with Mike Wallace, giving context. Oh, this is a great one. I love this clip. Minister Malcolm, when you broke with Elijah Muhammad back in March, you said it was because the black Muslims were too narrowly sectarian and inhibited. And because Elijah Muhammad had become 
blindly jealous of you and the personal following you had gathered. Mm -hmm. that, I said the first part, but the last part, I didn't say that Elijah Muhammad himself had become blindly jealous. I mentioned that it was his family and the officials in Chicago. Everything that I said always was designed to protect Mr. Muhammad himself, primarily because the image that he had created uh, was the image that enabled his followers to remain strong in faith and things of that sort. And I didn't want to see any uh, adverse effect or negative result uh, develop um, in the faith of all of his followers. Mm -hmm. But actually, uh, despite the fact that I tried to protect the Muslim movement, if you'll notice, they uh, use their newspaper to slander me and to label me as a hypocrite and uh, as a rebel. And Mr. Muhammad himself said that I defected. Well, in reality, I never even left the Muslim movement. They put me out. And they put me out because of what I knew. And what I knew was told to me by Mr. Muhammad's son, uh, Wallace Muhammad himself. They put me out and they put him out. Well, now, first of all, let's find out what it is that Wallace Muhammad, Elijah Muhammad's son, told you. Well, uh, number one, if you notice, the, the stick that I always used in presenting, representing, and defending the Muslim movement was the fact that it had the ability, re ability to reform the morals of the so-called Negro community. It eliminated drug addiction, alcoholism, uh, fornication, adultery, loose sex, sexual behavior, which meant that uh, I'd eliminated bastard babies, illegitimate children. Well, as long as I knew that this was what it represented and it gave me a strong stick, I could represent it and defend it. But uh, we had a law which uh, meant, which means, which was that uh, whenever any uh, Muslim became involved in any kind of sexual relationship with someone to whom they weren't married, that person would be brought before the Muslim community humiliated and then isolated for from one to five years. This was our law. Well, uh, in 1954, a teenage sister left Detroit and became one of Mr. Muhammad's personal secretaries. And uh, there go. in the Chicago office, she became pregnant after being there for a year. And uh, uh -oh. she was brought before the Muslim community and humiliated and isolated. And uh, a, year, a year later, another secretary, this time one from uh, Lansing, Michigan, uh, came to Chicago. She also became pregnant. She was brought before the community and humiliated and isolated. And because the other person was never brought forth during this uh, court session, it was uh, concluded by all of Mr. Muhammad's followers that it was a non-Muslim who was the other party. Well, we grew so rapidly until that in 1957 or 58, the uh, secretarial staff was expanded to, I think, eight teenage sisters. In 1959, six of them disappeared. Two of them reappeared in Philadelphia about two or three months later, and they were all right. Uh, the other four reappeared in 1960. All four of them had babies. All four of them had uh, become involved with someone and become pregnant and had these children. So it was, uh, from what I now know, when the four of them got back to Chicago and began to compare notes, they found that the same man had told all of them the same story and had made all of them pregnant, that the same man was the father of all four of their children and had also been the father of the ch children brought forth by the two secretaries who preceded them. It w I knew nothing about it until 1963 when um, Mr. Muhammad's son, who had been in prison, uh, came out and he, was a, he had been a minister and he was very religious and spiritual. And when he began to hear these rumors around Chicago, he went to one of the sisters and the sister admitted to him that the rumor was true. 
And uh, it was he who first told me about it. And when he told me about it, I, took, I wrote to Mr. Muhammad and told him about it. And he admitted that he had a knowledge of it and that uh, he had given me a religious explanation that would fit into prophecy and all of that. So I was quiet. And it wasn't until October of uh, 1963 that it came up again. And when it came up again, I realized that the same person who had uh, made these other sisters pregnant was still busy doing the same thing. He hadn't stopped. Two of the sisters had two children by the same man. And one of, the two, one of those two sisters was pregnant still, getting ready to have a third child by the same man. So when it was known uh, among the Chicago officials that I had a knowledge of this, they become very fearful of me. They became very antagonistic toward me, and they, they, had, they had to do something to diminish the authority that I had for fear that if this became public knowledge, the followers would leave the Muslim movement and follow me. All right, let's talk about the children. <laughs> I know. I don't really want to either, but here yes, we are. Let's the kids. <laughs> the children are our future. Elijah's devious sex life began to catch up with him. Clara caught him conversing with a mistress in Chicago and overheard him mentioning a $500 deposit toward a $1,300 ring. Clara confronted Elijah not only about the affair, but also about the letters he had written to his secretaries, and one of which he had accidentally left on the bed before departing for his Africa trip. Big whoopsie. <laughs> Who amongst us has not left a love letter right before going to Africa? Am I right, guys? Oh, on the bed. I leave it on, on the, the bed. bed. On my wife's yeah. bed, yeah. Yeah. Just a mistake, really. Fed up with his numerous affairs, Clara moved to Cairo. Then the mistresses descended on him, all demanding more money, threatening to go public if their demands were not met. At one point, they even got together and started talking, revealing that they had all been deceived by the same story about Elijah's sperm being a, quote, divine seed, and that he had promised to marry them all. And he probably meant it, you know? He meant it. <laughs> he meant that's I, it. That's what I call my sperm. Mohammed had like four wives, so that's why, you know, he did, that's like a practice or whatever, but it gets very problematic once you get, you know. Yeah. In theory, it all sounds great. It and does. then <laughs> when well, they all realize they're not the only one. Yeah. If I knew about the other girls, then maybe. But if I thought it was just me and then like 12 other girls come to the party and they're like, oh, me too, me too, me too. Then I'm just like, I thought I was special. I thought his divine seed was for me and me only. <laughs> No, when this when because I have divine seed and it, oh, okay. the Lord speak from experience, me, Justin. Yes, yeah. and I must share it with all the world mm. because to hoard it to keep it to myself would be actually the real crime. Yeah, that Amen. would be selfish. Amen. Actually. Amen. <laughs> I share my divinity <laughs> with the world. <laughs> yeah. Why is it always a divine seed and not a divine womb? Why are the, none of the wombs divine? Let's because, talk about that. Well, because. Um, you know, women are an abomination. Okay. But men, yeah, that, however, you're right. You're right. That was my yeah. thought. <laughs> <laughs> Look at our faces, people. We're laughing. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, God was making ribs and he broke off a piece of a rib and that's how women came from. But it wasn't even, you know, the a short end meaty part of the rib. It was the long end. And that is why my divine seed is important. <laughs> oh, my God. I <laughs> See, I can come up with something. Yeah, this is a commercial for Chili's, really. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking about baby back ribs, <laughs> the too. The whole time, I'm like, oh, my gosh. The whole time. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. <laughs> I'm hungry. 
Join oh. my church. <laughs> Join my church, the Church of Chili's. So after Elijah ignored their demands, Evelyn and Lucille <laughs> took their children to Elijah's house and left them at his doorstep, refusing to take them back unless Elijah provided sufficient financial support to raise them. Police were called and the children were delivered back to their mothers and they did not rat him out as the father of the kids, but they were no longer willing to protect him and his secrets. Okay, Justin, can you tell us a little bit maybe about how this led to Malcolm X breaking with the nation of Islam. Um, so what, one thing we know is that the nation of Islam uh, in general, and then even Malcolm X in particular, are among the most uh, surveyed individuals by the American government. And one of the frustrations uh, that like intelligence officials have, right, is that Malcolm X is actually so morally upstanding that uh, he can't be blackmailed. Uh, so this is going to lead to a thing because Malcolm X actually really does believe in a lot of the religious tenets of, you know, like being faithful to your wives and not, you know, impregnating children and things like that. So him is like the intensely incorruptible moral man is going to see, you know, his mentor as actually inherently corrupt. And, 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 you know, he's, he's not going to be able to like keep that to himself. I also have a good counter example too. It's like, right. It's like the FBI during the same time is trying to blackmail Martin Luther King because he has extramarital affairs and there's just like no such thing. It's just like with Malcolm X, it's all calls home to his wife. That's what they're listening to. <laughs> and they couldn't find anything on Malcolm X. No. I mean, that's wild. And I think there's also, it, it feeds into this idea of like, okay, the FBI is actually doing counterintelligence against MLK and Malcolm X at the same time. Yeah, the program, well, the program is, COINTELPRO is counterintelligence program. So they, yeah. even they admit as much. Man, even back then, black men didn't cheat. Some people just mess up, but don't cheat. They just trip and they fall into four children. Yeah. yeah, but black men don't cheat. That's the rule. Yeah. That's, that's like the old Richard Pryor quote. Um, who are you going to believe me, baby? Me or your lying eyes? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Someone said that. Okay. <laughs> Someone actually said that to me. Not lion eyes, but it was they paraphrased paraphrased it. Meet all your eyes. Now I know. What's crazy about this though, right, is that this leads to Malcolm X leaving. He blows it all up, publicly talks about it, and that brings even more attention to the nation of Islam. And then when we come back, we're gonna be able to talk now, finally about the financial irregularities, which who would have thought? Not me. <laughs> well, just, but also, you know, Malcolm X's break from Elijah Muhammad also is going to, you know, going back to when we were talking about Noble Jurali, it's also going to foreshadow that the Nation of Islam is going to use extreme violence against any of its uh, dissenters. All right, we'll be right back. Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. 
your skin refuses to be defined by age. That's why Agency creates personalized anti-aging formulas that smooth fine lines, lighten dark spots, and improve the appearance of dark circles. Each formula is tailored to you and prescribed by a licensed dermatology provider. Formulas are customized with clinically proven ingredients like tretinoin, which is up to 20 times stronger than retinol. Get your first month free at withagency.com. That's W-I-T-H-A-G-E-N-C-Y.com. $4.95 shipping and handling subject to consultation. Subscription required. Cancel anytime. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Save big money on protecting your garden. Now at Menards. Messina's Animal Stopper is a liquid repellent that prevents pesky animals from damaging your garden. Available in a convenient, ready-to-use bottle. It lasts for up to 30 days, regardless of weather and watering. Save big money on Messina's Animal Stopper at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals happening now. Save big money at So let's talk a little about the financials of it all. How did he even run all of this money? So he has a successful newspaper. He has increased followers, which means a lot of money is pouring into the NOI. And Elijah preached a plan to return to Africa and establish a nation in the southern states. But instead, he chose to grant Cardone the shit and invested in real estate. So in fact... To expand the NOI's assets, Elijah implemented a strategy that would later be adopted by televangelists. He strongly encouraged elderly followers to include the NOI as beneficiaries in their wills, thus bequeathing their homes and other properties to the organization. Just This ugh. is nuts. Diabolical. Yeah. I was saying last night to a friend how religious people that I meet sometimes are so positive. They're like, there's just like a little bit of a lift. There's like, you know, generally, right? Of course, the ones on Twitter that are like screaming obscenities at people. And then you go to their profile. They're like, good Christian mom. Yeah. Uh, but but a lot of times I'll meet a, a religious and they're just like at peace. And it's these rules and this kind of like complete submission and distortion of reality that I find gives them a sense of calm. Yeah. But then when you like pull back the curtain, it's like, no, I've just I've, I've given everything away give it everything away and then that's how these charlatans and these fraudsters take advantage of their followers i that's my biggest problem with all of this stuff yeah the nation of islam's like urban real estate portfolio at its height uh would have been enough money to, to for us to get like a black nation somewhere like we could have bought like a you know like a island off the coast of Africa. That's the thing. That's like the nation of Islam's ultimate hustle, right? It never ever delivers a thing. And it actually builds the infrastructure to actually probably buy some land and try to start a colony yeah. or something. It just never does it, you know? Yeah. On that Dr. Umar shit, just like holding on to the money for himself, really. Yeah. And yeah. Saying they're going to build a school. Could have built a school with all the money. Could have built it. Yeah. Where's the school, uh, Dr. Where's Umar? Where's the school? I'll get on that WhatsApp as a half breed and see what's up. See what they got going on. <laughs> half breed. <laughs> during the savior's day convention in 1958 elijah unveiled his ambitious quote blueprint for the black man's future 
This blueprint included plans to construct a $3 million complex in Chicago scheduled to be completed by 1961. The envisioned complex would cost $20 million and feature a modern hospital, a traditional mosque, and an expanded University of Islam. While lacking the necessary funds for such an endeavor, the NOI identified two potential sources of financial support. But the cash was there because the organization anticipated a substantial cash influx. First, from a legal settlement from their long harassment by the government, and second, from their relationships with the newly independent Islamic nations. Elijah rejected their form of Islam, asserting that Islamic orthodoxy had been corrupted by, quote, devils but was happy to take their cash. <laughs> Justin, how did this how did this happen? He's literally saying Muhammad the prophet that the entire Muslim world is like following as the dude. He's saying he's just an enthusiast. How does this how does like all how do these countries be like, you know, we'll give you some money? Uh they're they're interested in transitioning nation of Islam followers towards uh, traditional more traditional so they, of Islam. They think they can convert them to like y- yeah, a more the, mainstream quote mainstream version of Islam. Yeah, it, well, it's, it's also it's the same way. Like you know, like if you go to a country like Israel, Judaism is a big tent. Uh, yeah. So yeah, sometimes you know, sometimes traditional uh, Muslim groups will try to court the nation of Islam because there there actually is a lot of overlap if you. If you go to like uh, Harlem or Newark, when the Nation of Islam actually sort of wanes in influence, a lot of those people actually do end up joining traditional mosques. And, and, and they join uh, traditional mosques that a lot of times are ran by like African immigrants and things like that because they see it as more authentic. So they they do end up making that jump. You know, it's, it's the same jump Malcolm X is going to make. It's the same jump uh, Muhammad Ali is going to make. It's the same jump that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is going to make. Uh, they're, they're all going to become traditional Sunni Muslims. So that, I think that's what they're interested in. Is that what most deaf did too? Uh, yes, yes. Yusuf, what did no? What is his thing? Yasin Bey. Yasin Bey. Yeah, that's right. God, I love that. That's a good name. It's a good one. So on October twenty seventh, nineteen fifty nine, Evelyn Lorraine X Williams, one of Elijah's secretaries, began complaining about the inadequate financial support she was receiving. It was later revealed that she was pregnant and attempted to blackmail Elijah. Everybody's pregnant. Unbeknownst to both of them, the FBI was listening to their conversation. Yo, it's like you preach all this and you're banging five days a week at least. It's mostly banging. not even wrapping it up. It's mostly, that's what this is. (laughs) That's what this is. Because, Because it's like, even in 1959, like it's still... Like to get somebody pregnant, it's not just one bang and then you're, you're pregnant. Yeah, like there's a lot of banging. It's a lot it's of a banging. lot like, of banging. Some things have to align, you know. And he, he's the stars. You know, he's covering all of it. The stars have to align. The seed has to be impeccable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As 1959 drew to a close, the NOI and Elijah continued to face negative press from both larger syndicated newspapers and Black-run publications. By 1960, the membership of the NOI skyrocketed into the tens of thousands, putting immense strain on the leadership to accommodate the influx of new members and leading to internal conflicts within the organization. By the early 1960s, rumors of financial irregularities began to circulate within the NOI. In January, a prominent female officer of the Chicago mosque spoke up about the missing money. 
Elijah called her a liar and gave her a special six-month probation. Men within the NOI were required to purchase a specified number of newspapers each week. They were obligated to buy at least 55 copies, thus boosting sales figures. This is the MLM. Yeah, this yeah. is where it begins. That's the MLM. You gotta I mean, buy it. You gotta pay to play, really. Take from everywhere. Take, you know, really bring it all in. He's an innovator. He started this trend. 55 copies of Muhammad's Each in your person? House. Yeah. Bananas. <laughs> Oh, the men of the Fruit of Islam, the military sect of NOI, had to contribute $20 to the mosque to pay for producing another leader's play called Orgina, a Negro spelled backwards. Female members in Chicago had to purchase a white uniform before Savior's Day in 1961 from Ethel Muhammad, who operated a for-profit clothing store financed by the NOI. She took all the profits, though, enjoying a lavish lifestyle, fondness for diamonds and furs, a big contrast to the rank and file in the organization. Yeah, you just have a hat made out of bean pies and <laughs> diamonds on and stuff. The hat is made out of the 55 copies of newspaper I had to buy <laughs> yeah. each and every day. All I have is this bow tie. <laughs> and remember that play, by the way. It's going to come back later. Oh, boy. I love Orangina. <laughs> Orangina. <laughs> it's a good beverage. Deceptive recruitment practices played a role in attracting a significant number of new members. Prospective members were led to believe that abstaining from pork, tobacco, and alcohol would suffice. However, upon completing their probationary period, they were suddenly expected to attend all meetings, sell newspapers, and do it unquestioningly. I mean, it's just... Just how I came in touch with them uh, in Kansas City growing up. Selling the final call on the corner. Uh, yeah, I remember vividly. Remember the Nation of Islam. You know, you you know, you stop at an intersection and brothers come up to you with those newspapers, man. And I never yeah. thought anything of it until I, you know, when I was in Brooklyn, I saw I saw some and I actually read through it. It's it's all wild stuff. And they got to buy it themselves. It's all yeah. It's all conspiracy theories. <laughs> yeah, I was driving <laughs> here in Jersey City, and at the time, me and my white boyfriend were driving, and they gave us a newspaper. <laughs> oh, that's like, like that's inclusive of them, actually. Yeah, that was yeah. actually super inclusive of them. It's very nice. Or maybe they were trying to tell me like, get out, blink twice. Maybe that's what was happening. Well, I'll never yeah. know. Had they made some points in that newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I read it. Anyway, in the early 1970s, the NOI received funds from organized crime through their Philly mosque. Of course, a gang known as the 20th and Carpenter Street had joined the Philly mosque to hide their illegal activities behind the facade of religious dealings. They sold drugs, primarily cocaine, pot and later PCP. The Muslim mafia, as they were known, had ties to major crime families, including the Gambino and Scarfo syndicates. They also extorted businesses and stole and resold cars. The Philly NOI had several shell companies for laundering drug money and money obtained through credit card fraud and extortion. Boy, uh, I mean, oh boy. If you, yeah. if, if you ever watch The Wire, the character Brother Muzon is a co composite of the, these guys. Nice. 
Is that the dude with the bow tie? Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. That's is this is the iconic image that I have. My general fear that is just he's going to show up at my door. Yeah. <laughs> There's no reason. Are you involved in any shady dealings? You know. I mean, this this show. Yeah, that's true. This is the shadiest dealing of all. It's going to come out that we are the fraudsters soon enough. I'm yeah. Sure of it. See a black man with a bow tie with carrying a copy of the Atlantic magazine. Run. <laughs> I think it's also maybe important to note that, like, I think a lot of these things are a little bit more decentralized. I don't know how concentrated Elijah Muhammad was controlling, like, the Philly side of things and stuff like that. Do you know, Justin? I think because it generally Islam and these groups are a little bit more decentralized. But I know he was trying to centralize it with all the different practices that he was doing. He's also old at this point. By the time you get into the 1970s, right? Yeah. Um, so who knows? Like, it's just, you know, it could be kind of a free for all at the. Yeah, the guys are just kind of. Making their yeah, they're making their own. As long as he's getting his money way. kicked up, right? He's not he's not particularly concerned with the day to day operations of every mosque around getting the country. Getting his money, seed is being Let spread. What Let what else? Beak. What else do I need as an old man? Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday, and French fries are a food group where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season, where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility it comes with being a new parent, being there day and night, and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. In 1972, Elijah Muhammad revealed that he was constructing a new $500,000 mansion for himself, along with four other additional mansions for his children and aides, priced at a modest $250,000 each. We love that. <laughs> In He's 1972 nice money, it's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, Wait, I'm just looking that up now. That is $3.649 million. Oh, okay. yeah. that's, that's just a humble abode for yeah. the leader of a church. He actually does need mansions to house all of his children, though. That's, so that's true. Yeah, there's too many, too many wives. Not yeah. actually his wives. Just not actually women. wives. <laughs> yeah, relax. Right, sorry. Don't call them yeah, wives. Yeah, yeah. 
Just, oh, sorry, just women yeah. that are being publicly called liars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Liars, crazy people. Yep. He also claimed that the NOI owned approximately 25,000 acres of land and had a total worth of $75 million across all its assets. However, some educated NOI members noted that given nearly 20 years of regular tithings and business revenues, the organization's worth should have been much larger. In 1972, right. Muammar Gaddafi, the premier... Oh, Muammar Gaddafi. Gaddafi. Thank you. In 1972, <laughs> Muammar Gaddafi, the premier of Libya, offered Elijah a $3 million loan negotiated by Muhammad Ali to build a mosque in Chicago. This angered the U.S. government, but the loan was not in violation of any U.S. laws. Less than a year later, Elijah asked for another loan, but Gaddafi instead announced that he intended to donate the original sum instead of loaning it. Yeah. Okay. So there's another thing that the Nation of Islam does, right? It's because it's inherently critical of the United States of America. It forms these alliances with uh, America's enemies. Enemy of my enemy type thing. Yeah. It's the enemy. Yeah. And Muammar Gaddafi is just interested in sticking it to the United States. So it's like, how can you fund? It's like, you know, funding a dissident group within another society. Um, so you'll always see this. The Nation of Islam always speaks highly of Libya. In fact, they always bring up all the time that Muammar Gaddafi being overthrown was because Libya was going to create a revolution for the black man. And he was the last person that stood up for the black man and things like that, which I think it was, uh, you know, probably because he just very stupidly agreed to get rid of his weapons of mass destruction program without any returns and security. Yeah. He also didn't have a democracy that like people got tired of him, you know. I think they were pretty upset. I think the the fallout was pretty gruesome for him. Yeah, he had a, a the the barrel of an AK forty seven placed uh, where you do not want that to go. Yeah, I hope people know that. Like, I feel like that's one of those stories, Justin. Where like you saying it, I knew that, right? But like, I think a lot of people when that Libya fell, like we just it was just another country that America helped collapse. And we didn't realize how how gross how how gruesome it ended up being. Yeah, very. Yeah, I t- I tell you, it's, you know, it's kind of like when Mussolini died. You you don't ever yeah. want to be the person like I always when I die I hope people have a nice service for me. Yeah. You know, and not <laughs> drag you around the city <laughs> and do stuff to my body live on social media. I hope that's not. <laughs> I hope that's not a thing. Following that loan, other Muslim heads of state followed suit. Prince Abdallah Abziz Khalifa Altini of Qatar gave Elijah a check for $100,000 during his visit to Elijah's mansion in Chicago. The government of Abu Dhabi loaned them $125,000 to, quote, aid the cause of Islam. In 1974, Elijah purchased a private jet, claiming it was necessary to keep up with his hectic schedule. However, the jet was primarily used by a grandson who lived with him, as Elijah was afraid of flying and rarely left his home at that point. Rarely left his bed because yeah, of all the boning he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> his jet is just a bed that flies in the air. It's just soul playing at this point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> NOI members paid for the $1 million jet in cash raised in 90 days in response to a plea in Muhammad Speaks. Then on February 24th, 1975, Elijah Muhammad passed away. He really didn't get to use that plane very no, much. No, he didn't. <laughs> Damn it. 
and that's full evangelical right there. The raising the, that's that's what evangelical guys are still doing now is raising money for planes. Yeah, their private planes. Very righteous gemstones of him. Yeah. Very righteous, very you know Jim Baker esque. I think we even covered that other guy on a fraud wire that like yelled at the reporter about when she asked him about the the private jet. I mean, it's just it's constant. This is so annoying though, because when I I didn't realize how much money they were getting from these foreign governments, like Gulf states. It's like man, the fact that they they didn't put together a black island for us. That we could have went to. <laughs> they, oh, they, yeah. they were Black actually getting, okay. Yeah, I'm like, dude, like, dude. but the, but it's like a, they have to. But then the con doesn't work, right? It's like a, a America. You have to keep black people in America because that's the source of the con. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so you don't mm-hmm. ever want to actually build the island. But they actually had like, yeah, relationships with like Arab leaders and stuff. We should have got an island. Maybe I should start one and see if the Gulf states will write me a check. There's still time. What's that? I'm down. We could do this. Season 55. You can't do it, Cena. <laughs> I can't do it? No. Yeah. You can make your but, own island. Okay. Get your own island, Cena. Get your own island. Get out of here. <laughs> A bunch of Persians on an island. Most dysfunctional island. Everyone being mean to each other. <laughs> critiquing each other's Lives. I don't know enough about Persian stereotypes to even talk about this. So here yeah. we go. Just say whatever you want at this point. I give you full license. <laughs> no. <laughs> Make it up. No, this is being recorded. So who <laughs> runs NOI now? That's right. Louis Farrakhan. What's he up to? Well, here's a little clip to sum him up. <laughs> if somebody comes after they've matured and said, baby, I'm wrong. Brother, I was wrong. I had a four-hour talk with R. Kelly. Now listen, no, 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 no. No. No, 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 no. No. I'm laughing because he can't write letters because he's illiterate. Yeah. He came to our home with six of his friends. 14-year-old girls. And I told him, I, I have had a message in my heart for you for over 20 years. And I'm so glad for the opportunity to share it with you. He was managed by a friend of mine. What's that brother? <laughs> a friend of mine. I don't remember his oh, name. Of, what? <laughs> and Barry told me I'm going to get rid of him. I said, Barry, be patient. I said, that boy is deeply spiritual. A man can't write no songs like that. He and can't. not have God all up in him, but he's got to be cleansed. Do you understand what I'm saying? All of you in here have done something wrong. Yeah. But you are not evil people. I think there's a spectrum of wrong. Somebody got to reach into you and bring out the God that's in you and clear you of your evil. Does this religion Uh, do forgiveness? Standing ovation. Not really. Yeah, this, this is not... 
like because doesn't christianity do forgiveness and like if you you know confess your sins whatever he's trying to rebrand well but that's what's fair so farrakhan is what makes him incredibly sort of impressive right is that he he does have like uh like extensive knowledge of the bible and the quran mm. yeah uh, but he so he switches into like two different he switches into different modes sometimes he's a baptist preacher because he like has that skill set and then sometimes he He's, he's like not depending on what he's doing. But yeah, this is all about the politics of Chicago. It's because R. Kelly, it's like the Nation of Islam influence has dwindled at the national level. Although uh, under Farrakhan, they're, they're big on like black conspiracy uh, internet. But in Chicago, they're still very powerful. And like, uh, like th- this is the only positive thing I'll say about Louis Farrakhan. There's a picture of him with Barack Obama when Barack Obama was coming up in Chicago politics, because in order to have any legitimacy as a black politician in Chicago, you have to be around Farrakhan at some point. And Farrakhan held on to that picture and didn't uh, ever show that it had been taken until like after Obama's second term. Wow. Mm. It could that picture could have ruined Oh. Everything, yeah, yeah, it could have ruined everything. If it, especially if it had got released after the Jeremiah Wright thing, Farrakhan held yeah. on to that picture. <laughs> That's crazy. He's like, we cannot fuck this up. Well, I mean, maybe maybe that goes back to the enemy of my enemy yeah. thing because he it would have helped his enemies inherently too. No, so Farrakhan has a, uh, a difficult relationship with Obama because he knew he couldn't oppose him at, as he's rising. Because a black congregation wasn't going to hear it. Black America was so on board but, but behind Obama. But what he does uh, is by the time you get to Obama's second term, he's like, Obama's a tool of the gays, a tool of the Jews. I told you if your life hasn't inherently changed, I told you that this guy is not really one of us. But he had to wait because you would seem like a hater if you'd have done yeah. it uh, in like 2008, 2009. Wow. Wow. So well, crazy. Uh, there is there is this other track that we should play too because the way Louis Farrakhan speaks, he's an entertainer. Yeah, first there's there's a little melodic speaking, some would say. Yes. So we've got this track of what old Louis Farrakhan used to be. Now my sister has a boyfriend who's really swell, but what he does I am bound to tell. He got a pair of hands he used with nylon grace. He got them roving all about the place. She had to tell him, Don't touch my nylon, Johnny. I don't like this carrying on. Take your hand off my nylon, boy. You really got to stop this carrying on. He's good. Yeah, that's pretty good. He's good at music. He's a, he's a very good violinist as well. That could have been in Beetlejuice. Yeah, Farrakhan, yeah, Farrakhan is a talented musician in another lifetime. Well, we kind of skipped over. We had to skip over so much stuff because there's so much craziness is that Farrakhan isn't just anointed the successor. He actually steals control of the nation of Islam from one of Elijah Muhammad's children that it actually attempts to reform the organization and take it towards traditional Sunni Islam. Uh, Farrakhan wrestles but it away this... to keep the Khan going wow. and, and, and he inherits the Elijah Muhammad Khan. Like Farrakhan's fabulously wealthy. Uh you know, because he's been you know in charge of this organization for fifty years, and there's no signs of any real progress. We and we also skipped over Farrakhan in the '90s is like fl- almost flirts with becoming like a traditional, like a real civil rights leader and like a real black leader in the early '90s. But he can't stop spreading like anti-Semitic conspiracy theories, <laughs> and so the mainstream civil rights people have to walk away from him. Wow, that's a whole other episode. 
Yeah, with Farrakhan stuff, we could do a whole nother episode. Uh, I think he's currently saying that the vaccine is toxic waste and that it's a conspiracy against the black man and that Jay-Z and Beyonce are tools of the Jews. And like, you know, it's all over. the place. I always go over to Farrakhan Internet just like every once in a while just to go see what the what the new black conspiracy is. <laughs> Your FBI agent must be so confused by you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Justin, I, I actually have a question for you. Um, there is the Nation of Islam, and then there's like the um, Dr. Umar approach to this stuff. Like, what does Dr. Umar think of the Nation of Islam? He would approve of the Nation of Islam uh, because his audience is it, it's, it's the same audience. So you can't split that audience. It, it's like militant, black, conspiracy minded, hyper masculine, homophobic, patriarchy endorsing. But the thing is to give the nation of Islam like a little bit of credit, what it actually does deliver like real institutions, like the nation of Islam actually does have schools and it right. actually does have physical mosque. It's like, it's a scam, but it actually delivers on more. Umar is just a guy on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's it. It's okay, just a guy on helpful. Instagram. The nation of Islam does have like a newspaper. <laughs> a publication. Right. There's, yeah, yeah. There's, <laughs> there's more. Tangible yes, yes. Yeah, there's tangible things. They will provide security for you and they will, uh, they break up, uh, anytime rappers are getting ready to kill each other, Farrakhan will step in and stop it. Uh, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lordy. Oh, Farrakhan's here. Woo. That's always the thing. He's like, no, no, young brothers. This is what the white man wants. <laughs> hey. Listen You're right, to Farrakhan. I want to see a Farrakhan cartoon. <laughs> Where he just breaks up rappers from fighting. <laughs> they did. Um, they did on Living Color. They did a good one. It's Farrakhan uh, and Al Sharpton doing Who's on First. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but they're like, Who's on first? Whitey's on first. But who's on second? The honky. But then, but you said he was on third base. No, the Jews on third base. The Jews on third base. But where's Whitey at? Whitey's on second base. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> all right so that's that's our nation of islam uh series here ariel thank you justin thank you and thank you all for listening to fraudsters follow us on your favorite podcast platform check out the show notes for the show's social media links so you can follow us and see the resources we use for this episode fraudsters is hosted by me cena gaznavi justin williams and ariel lieti fraudsters is produced by noreen malik written by Nick Turner, and edited by Ryan Connor. Research was provided by Patrick Fisher. Legal research by Robert Rosigliano. Music by Grant Gordon. The executive producer is me, Sina Gaznavi. This has been a production of Zero Cool and The Last Podcast Network. Legend has it, underneath the NJM insurance offices lies a mysterious room of long-forgotten, moldy mascot memorabilia, often pitched by ad agencies, always rejected by NJM. 
Is it real? We may never know. But what is real is NJM's dedication to doing what's right for their customers. Astoundingly, they're proud to put policyholders first. No jingles or mascots, just great insurance. Learn more at njm.com. McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the hotter, juicier, classic burgers. Mr. Hamburglar. Rubble, rubble. He said, of all the McDonald's burgers I've ever hamburgled, these are the hottest, juiciest, and tastiest. Rubble. Hurry in and enjoy one of our 350 bundles, like a daily double and small fries for a limited time. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any of the offer comparison of prior classic burgers. ba da ba ba